0: Um, here in south africa we're going to set up um a bit of a running club um at an orphanage and because i just think that passion of if you can get a group of kids together and you can make sport fun um and everyone enjoys it together it teaches you so many life skills and um just so much more than just performance like performance will come if you're having fun and you're working hard the performance comes
1: that's emma pallant and you're listening to the oxygen addict triathlon podcast Hello, and welcome to the Oxygen Addict Triathlon podcast. We're brought to you every week by our sponsors, precisionhydration.com. You can personalize your hydration strategy today with electrolytes in different strengths that match how you sweat. You can get 15% off your first order with the code OXYGENADICT15. And we're also brought to you by WeAreTribe.co, natural sports nutrition. You can try a pack of six delicious 100% natural vegan energy and recovery products from Tribe for only two pounds, including free delivery. You can use the code OxygenAddict20 at checkout to get those just for two pounds. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. I hope you're well today. We are bringing you a fantastic interview with Emma Pallant. Um, fresh from her race at 70.3 South Africa. It's been a few years since we've caught up with M. Palance, so it was really good to hear from her. The last time we had her on, way back in 2016, she was just making the move in her head from athlete to 70.3 athlete. And uh, she's had lots of very, very successful races. I think she won from memory six or seven 70.3s last season alone. So yeah, we get to hear from her. And um, it's a great interview, I've got to say. There's some very interesting stuff comes up as well about her new, uh, her new living situation out in South Africa and some of the uh, charitable work that she's doing out there with running clubs for orphans. So check out and listen out for that later on. Right, let's jump right into Coach's Couch this week. We're going to be talking this week about riding on the Turbo Trainer because we have our first ever oxygenatic Triathlon Podcast Power Hour Zwift Ride on Tuesday evening, Tuesday the 18th of February. It's going to be at 7 o'clock, ideally. Again, we haven't fully been notified of the time yet by Zwift. So... If you're on our mailing list, we're going to email out to everybody what time it's exactly going to be. It's going to be plus or minus 15 minutes from seven o'clock. So if you get yourself ready from about 6.45 and you'll just be able to choose the Oxygenatic Triathlon Podcast Power Hour from the group ride section, we are going to be doing one of the workouts from my FTP Builder session. So workouts guaranteed to raise your FTP and give you basically a faster and more powerful bike leg for this coming season. Really excited about it. I've hosted one of these before for somebody else, and we had about 75 people on. I'm aiming to get 100 on. It would be awesome to have listeners on from all around the world. We'll all be doing a workout together. We'll all stay together on the road, even if your FTP is 400 watts and mine's 150 It'll keep everyone together as a group. So we're going to be able to do that. We'll have some good banter on the old messaging system as we go along. And I really encourage you to sign up and do that. It'll make a nice cold Tuesday evening go by much, much faster. So that's on Zwift, Tuesday the 18th of February at 7 o'clock, plus or minus 15 minutes. So get yourself down to that now. I'm sure a lot of you listening are super keen turbo trainers, but I'm going to go through some of the things that you're going to need in order to get the most out of this session. First and foremost is a fan. If you've got the cash and you want to spend 200 quid on one of those headwind units, fill your boots. I've still got the old trusted, tried and faithful 10-pound fan from Donnell Mill. It does the job sitting behind me and blows across my back. I know some of you prefer it in front of you, either down on the floor blown over your chest or right in front of you in your face. But you definitely need something to blow cool air across you because you produce so much heat, you're going to produce so much sweat just sitting there still with no air moving. Obviously, when you ride outdoors, the air that you're moving through is what cools you down. So it is a much, much more pleasant experience with a fan. I'd go as far as to say it's almost impossible to ride without one. And certainly your heart rate will go sky high just because of the heat stress and your body trying to shed that heat because you've got to, Who knows, 150 watt, 250 watt, 350 watt heater inside your body as you're working out. So take care of that. Get yourself two towels. You're going to need one on your aero bars just underneath your elbows or underneath your hands if you're riding on a road bike. And you're going to need one for wiping your forehead and your chest and stuff like that. I personally advise riding just without a shirt on to get the cool air blowing across you, if at all appropriate. Obviously, don't do that if you're in a gym. You're going to get yourself thrown out. (laughs) And other things you're going to need, definitely, definitely, definitely take care of like fluids and hydration and keeping your electrolyte balanced. So at least one 750 milliliter bottle, ideally two, both mixed up with strong precision hydration that will keep your electrolyte levels nice and high. Keep cramps away if you're a person who struggles with cramp and it will most importantly help you recover from the session much faster afterwards because your electrolyte balance will be maintained just because you've replaced ideally a bit more than you've lost during the session while you're working out. Okay, ideally, you're going to have a power meter on your bike. If not, heart rate meter's fine to ride on Zwift. You're going to need something that's got some kind of... If you've not got your own power meter, you can use Z power. But if it's your first time on Zwift, you're going to need to get yourself on there and have a try on there beforehand because you're going to need to get to grips with their Z power. And otherwise, all you're going to do is, once you've logged into the ride with us... You're going to just do the workout and it's going to be an interval session based around 100% of your FTP. So there's going to be chunks of work at or around threshold with chunks of recovery, back and forth between hard work and easy work. And our plan is we're going to have one of these rides every week on a Tuesday night from now on into the future. And I'm going to initially have a block for ftp building and as we get closer to race season it's going to change subtly so i'll talk you through what we're going to be doing week by week but super excited to have this ride going on on swift let's get you all on let's see if we can break the 100 people mark which i think would be would be a significant ride and the last one we did was really fun with 75 on so let's have a massive massive turnout for that great stuff all right everybody let's go over to our interview of the week this week with emma pallant Emma Pallant, welcome to the show. It's great to have you back on and uh, and to catch up with you again. How are you doing today?
0: Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Just um, the end of an easier day of training. We had a big week last week. So uh, yeah, a Monday, pretty uh, chilled today. Um, But yeah, feeling all good.
1: And whereabouts in the world are you right now? Where are you talking to us from?
0: Uh, I'm actually in Johannesburg. So uh yeah, out in South Africa. Um and uh so I, I think you guys have a storm where you are. Um we haven't quite got those kind of uh weathers. Although it does it does thunderstorm here still. Um yeah, you can have some pretty scary lightning.
1: It it's funny you say that as we as we talk, it, the sky outside is black and it was horizontally raining, uh, well not raining, it was horizontally what are they called? Not snow. Those little
0: yeah. hailstone
1: things. Smeet. Yes. Oh, it was beastly. So uh,
0: Perfect running conditions. So
1: we are very jealous of you over in Johannesburg at the moment. (laughs) So the first thing is, the most recent news is a silver medal for you down at 70.3 South Africa for, am I correct in thinking it was the third consecutive year with the silver down there?
0: yeah yeah the curse of East London I think it's becoming um yeah three silvers in a row um but yeah no it was uh it's always kind of a, a funny time of year to race um it's kind of a race that seems to yeah come on its own and very quickly after the BMC camp um but yeah just good to get it done good to test out all the new equipment and um yeah not too displeased with it
1: well we'll go on in a little bit i think to talk about your racing last year and all the different races that you won but i was tracking well i wasn't tracking i was following along live with the updates and firstly i want to sort of say congratulations on the silver medal but it feels a little bit as though you were robbed of the gold a little bit with this one doesn't it
0: yeah and and this has been uh the story of the last three years i've kind of um got well the last two years the two years before I got a little bit carried away on the run and kind of ran up to the leader and then just really died um a bit of a death in the last bit of the run whereas this time like a very unusual position for me I'm kind of normally a a bit of a chaser um, but I I came off the bike with a lead which was yeah very abnormal Um, grabbed the wrong bag in t2 which I was kind of more embarrassed than anything else Um, and yeah I kind of Just, um, yeah, I did not feel great. I I came off the bike and I kind of knew that my legs weren't there. Um, And I was a little bit, like, at the time I wasn't too sure. So I'd lost my nutrition bottle, um, but I'd been grabbing bottles on the course. So, um, yeah, I wasn't too sure. Kind of, uh, I I assumed that they had carbon, but it was only after that I found out that there was um, just electrolytes, no calories in the bottles. So, yeah, I did four and a half hours of racing on one gel, which I wouldn't recommend.
1: Did you have the Did you have the full-on lightheaded, dizzy, the world's going to end kind of experience halfway through the run? Yeah, oh and, bless and you. I was
0: just thinking, so I got to like I had I think it was the two or the three k to go, and I, all I could think of was the first seventy point three that I did in um, over in Brazil, where um, I had a lead like with a k to go. And I, I fainted, like I, I didn't even make it to the finish line. And I was just thinking, please, just don't pass out, just get there, like, um, yeah. But all kind of, I, yeah. I guess when I crossed the line, I was actually happy because I was more relieved than anything else. Um, but yeah, hey, <laughs> it's
1: just getting to the finish line is a is a result, isn't it? Even when oh. even when you thought you might win it and you end up getting second, just getting to that finish line and a full Ironman or half Ironman is is massive results in itself no matter how well or not you've gone
0: yeah yeah and it's always just um yeah the, the kind of when you have so much support and the people are being so awesome out there you kind of yeah you you want to finish it off and you want to like um just do it justice so yeah
1: well let's go back over your 2019 then because I was doing my little bit of research before the interview and. I was, I mean, obviously I I see these results come up every week and talk about them every week, but it's only when you see them laid out in a row, you go, wow, you won Challenge Cape Town, 70.3 Lanzarote, Portugal, Vichy, Paydax and Challenge Gran Canaria last year. So that's, was that seven, six or seven victories over the 70.3 distance in a year? That's pretty good going, isn't it? For someone who didn't consider themselves a swimmer last time we talked three years ago.
0: Yeah, it's definitely um kind of progressed um since yeah we were saying it's probably been a long time since we ch- chatted um and I think um yeah it's kind of it was definitely a busy year um and lots of travel and um I kind of I really enjoyed the back end of the year because I'd decided after Lanzarote Ironman that yeah Ironman I was going to put it on the shelf for a bit and then I just thought okay now I can really focus in we kind of got the list up of all the 70.3s we we thought were achievable um in terms of travel and recovery as well and um yeah I was really happy with how it went. And
1: then going forward I know I remember reading the interview at the start of last year you said the the Big focus for the year was going to be the seventy point three World Championships, where you finished uh, a very credible ninth place. Where fourth through tenth were separated by I think less than two minutes, weren't they? And they were really stacked up there. Would you? Uh, would you talk us through the race at the 70.3s in Nice? Because I think as the years have gone by, that's become a, a bigger and bigger and more prestigious race every year, and it feels as though somehow came to fruition in Nice in some way and that it kind of really went massive on a global scale. Would you Would you agree with that, do you think?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think what, the, what kind of Nice offered that I haven't seen um, before in like a big championship race is, is the fact that it was such a challenging course. Um, and we actually went out to kind of look at it before the World Champs. And um, it just really was one of those, if, if you had a weakness, that it would be shown up. Um, and I was super kind of pumped about having that big climb in there. Cause I, again, I think it just makes it so much more interesting. It breaks up dynamics. Um, and I got caught out on, uh, yeah, a big kind of, um, nemesis of mine since, uh, so I've come off my bike twice now and broken my clavicle and, um, once was descending in Lanzarote and I've never quite been the same, um, with my downhill riding, Um, and we knew this was a weakness and we practiced it. We went to the course, we went over and over it. Um, but I still lost uh, a good few minutes on the descent, um, which is disappointing. But again, it's kind of, I think a real like credibility to the race that you you literally cannot afford to have a weakness there. Like the, the girls, the other strong girls, like the best in the world will punish you. Um, and I just think it made for so much interest um just people watching that yeah there was no kind of result that you could pick before I think um as especially in the men's race like as you saw um just really yeah I think just made it exciting did you find it I haven't
1: raced the 70.3 world course but I raced Ironman Nice a few years ago and I remember I remember coming down that descent where it you know, the sections are really fast and kind of flowing and there are sections that are just grippy, you know, there's like yeah. 180 degree switchbacks and like I came around the corner and there was a, there was a helicopter had come down to where I lift somebody away and we were all getting, you know, flagged oh, nice. down to stop and, you know, as if it isn't scary enough anyway. Um, yeah. But do you, do you like that kind of racing where there's, there's a real sort of skill element to it as well as the fitness element?
0: Um so preferably not but um I kind of so yeah just because I am I'm pretty bad at the downhills like I I try to avoid the the technical races but then having said that in things like pads uh, past the axe I I got away with it just from putting a bit of time in on the uphill um I kind of got away with losing a bit of time on the downhill and Uh, the trouble is that that yeah and I, I really like the climbing um so yeah I kind of do end up picking the hilly races. Um, But yes, with still work to be done. But we have addressed it. Um, I've got uh, a gravel bike now. So we're going out a little bit more on that um, and working on those kind of areas, which is great in South Africa because kind of off-road is, yeah, there's some amazing trails. And um, I'm definitely improving, but I think it takes time. And it's kind of your subconscious. Like you don't think you're holding yourself back um until you're racing other girls and your body just like won't let go
1: yeah yeah that's i think that's true for a lot of people isn't it when you're trying to you're trying to race downhill it tends to be not the not the sharp twisty descents but the ones where you're going really really fast like let me ask you this the the 70.3 lanza course has got that really fast descent on it hasn't it with a sweeping right hander (laughs) at the bottom Are you like me going into that where you're just thinking, oh, please, please, just please stay upright?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So it was quite embarrassing because um, so in the race briefing, um, they introduced this um, king and queen of the mountain. Okay. Um, So um, it was, um, I think it was something like 500 euros or something for like the fastest time going up that steep um, hill. So the, the climb was before the descent um and I was kind of tracking Lucy Hall there was a couple of us um riding and then I thought okay getting up to the bottom of the hill uh, the climb um I was like okay I, I know I'm really not great at descending um and they'll put time into me so I thought if I just blast up there then um, I give myself that nice cushion for coming down um so Yeah, I just sprinted up the hill and it did. It worked. I kind of, she came flying past me on the descent, but then the technical bit um, had been done. Um, But then afterwards in all the interviews, they're like, oh, you really wanted that queen of the mountain, didn't you? And I was like, oh no, (laughs) I didn't even think like it wasn't being a real uh, like shady move or anything. Um, It was literally just so I I didn't get dropped on the downhill.
1: It's plenty of strengths, I guess, isn't it really? (laughs) Yeah. So what are you, uh, what are you planning on doing in the future then? Obviously with it being to your, to your strengths to go and race these hilly races, and you've obviously got bags of power to weight going up the hill. Is it something that you think you'll ever really get your head around the sort of having had an injury to your clavicle in the past?
0: Yeah, I think so. Like, I really hope so because, um, yeah, it was just, I mean, it's probably been two years now. Um, and I think the trouble was because I was descending and I fainted when I was on the bike. So again, it was something that was, yeah, out of my control. And I just, um, yeah, it is like, it does, it doesn't worry me. Like when I think about descending or anything until I'm actually going down, like you say, until you've got the speed going down. Um, but my, um, I do a lot of riding with my boyfriend and he's very good kind of the technical things and, and comes from a riding background. Um, And I think the more I kind of ride with the strong riders and just have to track them and I'm forced to kind of go that little bit faster. Um, Otherwise, I will get dropped. Um, I think it's definitely improving. But, um, yeah, there's no quick fix. Um, The off road is helping. um, But I still I I still know that I, I have to keep working on it.
1: I think it's a lot of listeners sitting here nodding their heads and going, Yeah, I don't like racing downhills either. I wish we didn't <laughs> have to do that. <laughs> yeah. So what are your uh, what's your plans looking like for the coming season, then? Are you still with BMC for the coming season?
0: Yes. Yeah. So still with BMC. Um we had a good good camp in Lanza. Um and then I'm over here till April. Um, but I've decided that I want to do World Duathlon this year. Um, again, just because the world 70.3s are so late. Um, I kind of wanted something to peak for in September and then to be able to do like another block, um, and then race in, in November, the worlds. Um, so I'm, I'm coming across to do the, the world, uh, yeah, the duathlon trials, I think are in Bedford, um, mid April. Okay. Um, so that would be like the start of a little European block. Um, yeah, and plenty of 70.3s. Um, and I've qualified for Taupo. So that's kind of, yeah, that's stress out of the way. Um, and we'll prepare for that, um, after another European block in, in September. Very nice. Now
1: you, uh, you had a crack at Ironman for a while. Tell us, <laughs> I did. tell us how that went for you. Tell us, cause I obviously, I get sent questions by people and they say like, when you get these pros on ask them what it's like for them doing Ironman because they don't seem human to us they seem to just turn on and they just breeze through it and everything looks great how was your experience of going to Ironman and then let's talk a little bit about your racing Kona in 2018 yeah
0: yeah so I'm I'm definitely human um no, <laughs> I love that nothing, That's, uh, there's the quote I'm definitely human <laughs> There was uh yeah nothing amazing about my Ironman Davies um I kind of it's, it's something that always really appealed to me um especially as you know like you're not the strongest swimmer um Ironman is again you just it's a bit more forgiving you can do so much on the bike and, and on the run um and it just really like I, I watched Kono and I just I really wanted I, I've always seen myself kind of uh, going down the long distance um kind yeah. of route and uh it was so I think twenty eighteen um that I um decided to do my first one. Um and actually picked South Africa. Um just a bit of a tactical move because the worlds were here, so I thought ah, oh, it's kind of a good good um one to kind of also test the seventy point three um worlds course. Uh but yeah, it went far from plan. Um um, a massive sweater, and I had what I thought was a strong nutrition plan, um, but definitely um, didn't work for me. I kind of so all my training, um, I was doing a lot of long distance. Um, yeah, there was nothing wrong with my loading, I kind of didn't have to change much of my training um, from the 70.3 stuff. Um, but yeah, in the race itself, I had massive issues, um, end up cramping and pulling. I got a little tear in my calf. Um, so I probably made a couple of K oh. on the run and that was it. Um, was it. Was it
1: like because of the cramping, you got a tear in the calf, do you think?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that was the way, like, it's hard to, because it was on the bike, it was on the second lap and then I just couldn't put any power through and I thought, okay, just keep shaking it out, just ride with your toe up. Um, and, and I got through the bike fine, but then it was when I put weight through it. Um, and then, um, yeah, I kind of assumed that it was from, well, I, I, we put it, we thought it was nutrition, um, that kind of was the factor there. Um, and then I went to do, I did some tests, um, BMC have a, a place in Belgium, um, that some like Fred Van leer has gone to and, and sorted him out, like with a sweat test and how to deal with Kona and things. Um, so I went and had all the tests, and they were like, "Yep, you are losing a crazy amount. Like you can't physically put in what you're losing." So it's more about, okay, how do you spread out what you're taking, and and just make sure the body gets enough to be able to cope with that kind of um, length. Uh, so I was a bit more confident. Went to Austria, and um, yeah, came third, but again, was leading till I don't know. Maybe it's 5K to go or 8K to go. And then I really didn't think, again, that I would make it to the finish line. Um, yeah, so it was like a lucky scrape to make Kona.
1: Was it one of those, was it hydration and electrolyte related or was it bonking or was it just the general all-round, please just get me to the finish line type feeling?
0: I Yeah, I think I just, I got to the stage where because I was, I, I felt like i was so thirsty that i didn't want to take like any sugar any nutrition like, i just wanted to grab water like every aid station i was just like down in water
1: yeah um, got you
0: and yeah obviously <laughs> you can't do that um, it doesn't matter how sick you feel uh it's worth yeah chomping some kind of calories in um which again i, I learned pretty swiftly <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing along with you because that's exactly
1: what I went through as well. It's like, yeah, I don't want calories, I don't want salt, just give me water. I'm just thirsty. And then anybody goes, yeah. we're going to go and lie down now for a bit and <laughs> deal, oh, and deal I was with all of that. Were so you really Ill, Ill afterwards?
0: Like afterwards, like literally in bed for. I, I don't think I trained properly for at least two weeks. Like right. I was man down, big yeah. time.
1: Um, but yeah, know,
0: then I had to refocus and be like, okay, now it's kind of Kona time.
1: It's, it's so nice to talk to someone else who goes through this because obviously you and me are freaks at the at the sweaty end of the scale <laughs> and it's hard to get across to people like just what have people go well you'll be fine just have a drink and you'll you know you'll be all right in a bit no no yeah I, I, we really thought we were gonna die at this point <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's so unattractive like literally i have been thrown out of gyms i've been yeah told off but like I, I leave puddles um it's very <laughs> embarrassing but hey so are you, are you a do. heavy
1: physical loser of water as well as a heavy volume of sodium loser
0: yeah right so you get the full whammy yeah and ph have been so good like precision hydration i'm working with them and um it does it really really helps it's just the kind of the practicality of okay so if i'm running on the treadmill for two and a half hours like i can have my six eight water bottles i can have all my like i'm fine but in a race like it's just the real practicality of how are you going to get that and make sure you get it
1: yeah um, well how yeah. much do you how much do you lose then how much sweat do you lose in a in an hour if you're working out indoors on a treadmill oh,
0: i have my lab test i should have uh, uh I, I didn't mm, mean to put you on the spot to, I can, <laughs> no i i can i can give you some post notes some post interview notes um yeah i don't know the right here right now i just know that um yeah the guy in the lab said body kind of my body weight ratio to, um compared to all the people we've had in is is the highest like percent um, Wow! it was pretty out of control um, Well, just saying but that yeah, you've got to have six or eight the... bottles
1: lined up is is enough <laughs> to know that that's like a most people take a bottle of water to the gym when they go for a run don't they not six or eight
0: <laughs> and i have to i have to hang them so that i don't have to stop or get off like of course, I, hang yeah. them. I put them all in a, a little shopping bag and hang them on like the arm of the, the treadmill <laughs> and just
1: take them out i'm imagining you going in looking like you're uh coaching a, a schoolgirl football team you know with like <laughs> yeah. eight of those water bottles in a little milk carrier we need to get you one of those um
0: <laughs> it is yeah just like that
1: so how long ago did you start working with ph then and, and was that because of you know trying to track down a solution to it all
0: Yeah, yeah, so this was, um, it was probably then, I think it was after Kona, Um, so yeah, I didn't even make the run on Kona, so I... Well, yeah, tell um, us about Kona,
1: that's the next thing, isn't it?
0: Yeah, so I got to the end again, like, probably about the last quarter of the bike, I I wasn't feeling that great at all, and it was the year that there wasn't, yeah, there was hardly any wind, um, which I don't think helped kind of getting rid of the sweat and stuff. And then, um, yeah, I just got into T2 and I, I wrapped my bike, ran round um, and I thought, okay, come on, like y- you lost so much time at the end of that bike. You've got to really like pull your finger out and have a good run now. Um, and quickly sat down, like put my head down to pull on my shoes and yeah, I just rem- remember looking up and seeing all these faces, like looking down, being like, are you okay, are you okay? And um, yeah, I just passed out in T2. That's it, um, game over. Yeah. Well, and then so they said, okay, as long as you don't have a drip, like we can keep in here for a couple of hours and we'll give you water. Um, as long as you don't have a drip or anything, then if you want to then go and finish the run, um, you're allowed back out. So I was like, yeah, okay, definitely. Like I have to at least, I can't go to my first Kona and DNF. Um, so I probably had the longest T2, then went out, started running, and I felt again yeah absolutely shocking um and I thought you just got a robot round like just literally just count one foot in front of the other um and I got to run past my team manager um Bob and yeah he was like what are you doing like what are you getting out of this um so yeah that was Kona over
1: (laughs) oh bless I love that though Emma Mm -hmm. I love that I love that I've come to Kona I'm gonna finish let's let's do this give me an hour to lie down get myself yeah. together going it's like when when jan had that bad race and, and he walked all the way to the finish and it's like the respect for being in the place is it's yeah. like church isn't it it's like try and do yeah. the respectful thing good for you for giving it a go i reckon that's yeah. that's gutsy yeah. and i
0: think the only thing was like i did have races that uh in december like there was still a race that i could go and do and that was a thing of okay if, if i finish now then again it's another month off and um so better to yeah stop and then you but yeah you're never in the right frame of mind like always your emotions are carry you over and you make the silly decisions but hey yeah
1: there we go <laughs> driven by passion sometimes though aren't we yeah
0: yeah that's a good thing about sport
1: so talk to us a little bit about your coaching setup then you've been working with Stuart and Michelle at the team dylan coaching for as long as i've known you and doing yeah. coaching for them as well so how has working with athletes of their caliber impacted on you do you think
0: yeah it's it's been absolutely massive it's kind of um when i started out um yeah they taught me everything that i knew um and i literally i was like Stu's shadow um he'd drive me around the pool with a bike um and It just, it was so the first couple of years. So it's, yeah, probably two years that he had left of his career um, before he stopped. And it was just the best time because, yeah, I didn't even have to think about training. I was constantly being pushed and uh, just chasing, which I loved. Um, And, yeah, then also learning to coach other people. Because I think if you have a very active kind of job, so when you're doing triathlon all day, you kind of, I, I was finding I wasn't sitting down in the evenings and not really using my brain or anything so I thought okay kind of exercise that kind of things and and put what I was learning day in day out to help other people um so I started coaching as well and yeah I really really enjoy it because I, I think it just it gives that personal side to your life like you can be so self-involved in, and in, and like yeah you you don't on can be a selfish sport if you're just focusing yourself on yourself on being the best um so to actually have that communication with other people and and see that side of things um yeah I really I really enjoy it but um yeah they kind of it's it's harder now because obviously being in Johannesburg having moved here um Michelle and Sue are still mentoring me but I think it's really important um to still train with people um so I'm hooking in kind of we've got a group here um and I'm doing a lot of that here um but yeah it's it's I think it's all about having fun like enjoying your training as well um which I, I definitely always have with Michelle and Stu it
1: definitely sounds like you're the kind of athlete who gets a lot out of a group environment and enjoys training with others as much as uh, as much as needing the the sort of mental and emotional input from a coach it sounds like you need that big group mm-hmm. environment to push you along as well
0: yeah massively and, and i think it's just so important i think at the end of the day that's a lot of what sport is about i kind of i started off as a runner and always had a big group of guys that we would train with and we'd push each other on and and it would be fun it would be our social lives as well as kind of our, our sporting lives um and i do think sport can change lives and i've seen that I don't know. I think doing it with people and and the whole triathlon community is great at that because everyone starts on the same start line. Um, When I was a runner, it was very much, okay, you went down to a track and there's a stadium full of people watching you, whereas starting out with everyone, I think is, yeah, something really unique about triathlon.
1: Yeah. It's that nice side-by-side aspect, isn't it? That you can be a lap ahead or two laps ahead on the run of an age grouper and you can encourage them and they can encourage you. It's something I've I'm sort of, you know, approaching 50 now and slowing down radically every year. And it's sort of like, I really enjoy the fact that people say, you know, come on coach, come on fatty, keep going (laughs) as they pass me. And I can say to people as I'm running along, you know, hey, come on, well done. It's something that I, I would never experience that in my running career because everyone in a running race is absolutely breathing out the backside and can't say two words to each other. So there is a really nice element of people encouraging each yeah. other during this isn't there
0: and also even in key sessions like i just find i i raise like my game so much more if, if yeah. I'm, and i'm hustling with someone if you're toe to toe if you're both like burning lungs and and your legs are on fire and there's just something satisfying about being able to high five at the end um and again that's kind of my um here in south africa where we're going to set up um, a bit of a running club um, at an orphanage and because I just think that passion of if you can get a group of kids together and you can make sport fun um, and everyone enjoys it together it teaches you so many life skills and um, just so much more than just performance like performance will come if you're having fun and you're working hard the performance comes um, you don't even need to think about it and yeah I think that's what having training buddies and, and people around you that love what you do Um it's kind of yeah, pretty important.
1: So tell us about that then. You starting a, starting a running club at a local orphanage?
0: Yeah. So um, I, it's, it's kind of just it's come quite quickly. Um, I, I moved to Johannesburg. Well, I spent a lot of time here last year, um, and I just had this idea because I, it, when I was a runner um, and we were training in Kenya, they they had this amazing school that um, basically helped. As, as well as uh, educating the, the, the kids, it gave them an opportunity to be world-class runners and to meet world-class runners. Um, and all the graduates that had gone on to represent Kenya would come back and they'd inspire the kids. And it was kind of that generation of success breeds success. Um, and I just saw here, like Johannesburg is at altitude, it's great weather. It's, there's just so much opportunity for great run training. Um, and it's so simple all you need is like a pair of run shoes. Um, and yeah, I thought that it would just be great to just get something going in a community where no, not every kid is going to be academic. Not every kid is, is gonna, yeah, excel in school, but you can make some amazing runners here. Um, and again, just going down the fun route. Like if a kid has talent and they enjoy running and they want to go to a race, then just give them that pathway and that opportunity like no nothing pushy, nothing kind of hardcore or um, but just having fun doing it in a relaxed way, um, because the environment here really it could breed great little athletes.
1: Oh, that's so cool. Hey well listen when you when you get this off the ground, get back in contact with us about that because that sounds like something that our community could help you out with for sure in some way it's something that's it's something that's bigger than you know like you said triathlon can be a selfish sport but the people who do it are not selfish so i think that's a really amazing and laudable thing that you're doing so yeah keep us updated and if we can help out in any way then i'm sure there'll be people listening going i want to help out somehow
0: (laughs) Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, it definitely will do. We kind of um we have loads of adult shoes, which <laughs> was the only thing. I didn't really think this through when I first started um yeah, collecting stuff and, and getting vests and stuff. Um but yeah, we're we're just um just getting it off the ground. So starting small and, and um they're having fun, so
1: Right. Well, there's more to come on this listeners. We'll, we'll have a chat off air about the summer and, uh, in a few weeks time, we'll put something together to help you out. All right, listen, we need to wrap this up, but just to, to end on this, to ask you, what does your dream year end up looking like next year? You've already mentioned the 70.3 down in Taupo. If you have your perfect year, what results do you think you could get down there?
0: oh um I think my perfect year would be I'm still very swim focused um so yeah that's all the gym work and and the the main focus right now is to try and um make that that front pack that big pack of girls um so and I know that's getting faster with all the ICU girls coming in so I'm gonna say yeah a dream year for me is, is coming out the water with that lead pack and um seeing what my legs can do
1: nice oh well listen that seems like a great place to leave it we uh we wish you all the best with that thank you very much for taking the time to come on em and um yeah awesome. i hope we can have you back on in the future when you're uh, up on that podium at taupo Ah, oh,
0: thank you thank you so much for
1: having me so one of Britain's most consistent 70.3 races there. And I really loved what she's doing there with the running club for the orphanage. I think that's amazing. And we had a chat after we were on air and we were talking about things that she's trying to do in order to get shoes for the kids. She's going to let us know when she's got things up and running. She's working on getting a bit of an admin team together Um and whether it's in the form of donations to buy shoes for kids, whether it's in the form of donating shoes that your kids have finished with, we're going to find a way to get those shoes out there for the, the runners in the orphanage. So um, yeah, I'm really excited by that. I love it when there's somebody doing something that's more than sport. Really, really cool. All right. Shout out to our sponsors. uh, We are tribe.co. They make fantastic sports nutrition. They make a great range of bars and shakes. They've got energy bars, fruit bars. They've got protein bars. They've got protein recovery shakes. You've got all manner of flavors to choose from, and you can mix and match into a box of six. And remember using our code Oxygenatic 20, you can get a trial box for two pounds. That's got six products of your choice in. So you could have six recovery shakes, six energy bars, six protein bars, or a mix of all of them, I'm a big, big, big fan of their chocolate brownie all-natural protein bar. I'd give that a go in your box if I was you because it's a really, really good one. Um, So if you've not tried it, get on that and get yourself a pack. And then if you want to, you can get it set up as a recurring subscription. I love these things for going out on the bike when I'm doing outdoor rides because... They're already pre-packaged. I know the calories they've got in them. They're all natural. They go great in the back pocket of the jersey and they're super handy to carry. So yeah, if you're looking for an easy solution, get yourself those delivered on a subscription and you've always got energy bars in the house ready to go out for a ride. Okay, guys, that brings us to the end of our episode this week. Short and sweet. Thanks to our sponsors, Precision Hydration. Use the code OXYGENADICT15, 15% off your first order. Tribe at WeAreTribe.co. Use the code oxygenadict 20 at checkout for six bars for two pounds. And Thriver.co. You can use the code oxygenadict 50 for 50% off your first order at-home personalized finger prick blood test if you want to find out what's going on with your health inside your body and just remember if you're looking for triathlon coaching you can give us a try at team oxygen addict it is one pound for a trial of your first month so confident you're going to absolutely love it come in and see what it's like getting properly coached with a professionally structured plan and yeah get that get that for one pound for your first month there's no catches give it a go and if you like it i hope you stick around Okay, everybody, remember there's a link to all of that for all the sponsors, so you don't have to remember them. There's links in the show notes. And until next week, have a great, safe training and racing week. I'm Coach Rob Wilby, and you've been listening to the Oxygenetic Triathlon Podcast. See ya.